Bally's might be no more. We have some outfield prospects to talk about, some old friend alerts, and we'll get into some theories on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Locked On Guardians. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel uh, Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment, m- make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. Uh, my name is Jeff Ellis. I'm one of the two co-hosts of said show, Locked On Guardians. Uh, longtime uh, hoster of this show. We're got to be getting close to 900 episodes. I actually haven't looked in a while, but. Uh, it's hard to believe. I've probably done about a thousand podcasts by now. That's a lot of podcasts. I'm Justin Ladd. I've been, I don't know. I, I, I never did count how many podcasts I've been on with you at this point, but uh, I'm still glad people are listening and, and engaging and uh, making comments and stuff like that. So that's good. Um, I have never been in a top 10 list anywhere, so I can feel the pain of one of the guys we are going to talk about today. Yeah, we'll get into it. There's some reasons why guys fall off or why, you know, that specific player isn't mentioned. I mean, uh, you know, not to do too much teasing, but let's just go ahead and say that I don't even think that's the top outfielder in the system on your list. Uh, so I'll just, Ooh, maybe not, that, you listen. know, but a few quick old friend alerts, Gavin Collins signed with the Tampa Bay Rays. That's interesting. Just, uh, they're collecting guardians catchers with Mejia and Collins there now. Uh, in addition to that, Cesar Hernandez is signing with Detroit gives them, Another defensive first uh, second baseman. So they can just have, you know, two really good defensive second basemen. I believe it's a non-roster invitee, so no guarantee he makes the team. But with him and Scope, those are eerily similar players on the same roster. So kind of a weird choice. But hey, to each their own in terms of team building. Let's start off with the interesting news of the day. Uh, Bally Sports are preparing for bankruptcy. Uh as you, you know, longtime listeners might recall, around this time last year, uh, I was discussing that I thought that Valley Sports was going to go under by about midseason and we'd see what happened games. Well, I was wrong. Uh, they lasted the full season, but it doesn't look good that they could go under before the season begins. And this is a multifaceted issue because, well, for many reasons, I'll, I'll just say that there are a lot of things we're going to talk about here with this. I know that's non-descriptive, but I throw it to Justin, let him kind of take point on uh, what he thinks the most interesting part of this Bally's situation is going to be. Well, the, I think your big, the biggest base for who's watching baseball, unfortunately, is an older crowd. You have a lot of people who still watch on cable. Uh, I don't know how many people are watching as cord cutters. I know a lot of people who are cord cutters just don't watch, and that's that's a problem. So I think a lot of their base has to do with cable companies and they're talking about, you know, they're hoping to keep the channels operating uh, with some sort of deal through bankruptcy. I I don't know how this works. I don't pretend to be literate in these sort of financial terms or or most, to be honest. No, don't ever take money advice from me. So when we get to the betting segment, definitely don't do that either. Uh, Just a forewarning. But But you aren't uh, $8.6 billion in debt. I am not. I'm in enough debt, but not that much debt, thankfully. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just curious to see what happens. Like they were hoping that this new direct to consumer app was going to 
that bypasses cable was going to save them a little bit. So far, it looks like it hasn't caught on quite yet. And baseball is not even a part of that because there, there are so many weird different like name or different rights to the TV stuff. I don't know if, if they have, if they end up having to go with a streaming service, like let's say like, I don't know. I, I don't, I think they'll do it as a package. Like they'll probably try to sell it across the board, but let's say like Valley sports, nor, you know, great lakes goes to, Amazon or or you know whatever Peacock, and they sell the rights to that. You know you're gonna have a lot of people who don't have that kind of thing. You're gonna be missing out a lot of your audience. People won't do that, so that would be a concern. And I think also this is gonna take away money coming into the franchises. And I think you could see a lot of owners uh, who already claim they have bad TV deals uh, cry poor and and not put more money in the team because now they're gonna say the TV revenue isn't there which to TV revenue has become the biggest driver. People will say, oh, well, you got to go, you know, go to games and buy tickets. TV money is what's been driving baseball for the last several years. Now it's been TV money and advertising. Um, and that's, 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 you know, you still have the national TV deals like ESPN and Fox and all that other stuff and money coming in from that. And who knows what they do with the money from BAM tech sale and all that stuff. But um, TV revenue has been, the, and that's, I think that's all shared, right? When the TV revenue comes in from the national TV contracts. Yes. That's 60 that's million. all shared. Yeah. 60.1 that's, that's million for every team that is shared. Yeah. So they're getting a big, big chunk of money from that. There was the BAM tech sale. Um, who knows how much money they're getting from MLB TV and all that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know if they don't have their, I think MLB even, TV is part of that 60 million. I think that's, that's yeah, this is oh, Okay. This is where this is where they're a little bit different. Where you know each market is allowed to go out and make their own TV contract. So the Dolans went out and you know created STO and they sold it to Fox eventually. And the Yankees have Yes and um, like Pittsburgh is on Root Sports versus you know Bally's whatever. There's Root in Pennsylvania and Texas and I think Seattle is on Root Sports Network, but. You can go out and you can negotiate your own media rights deal locally between radio and TV. That's where maybe this this is a little bit different out here. Um, if the Guardians aren't able to do that, I don't know. Like you know, and other teams, not just the Guardians, the Reds, whoever else, I could see, especially the Reds, the way they the comments Phil Castellini makes, or is it Bob? I forget which one. They both put their foot in their mouth. But Phil, Phil has been the, the okay. worst of the well, two. This on. Okay, well, either way, um, if you you know, if I could see a lot of owners just crying poor and saying, "Well, the TV revenue we used to have isn't coming in, so we can't invest as much in the team." So this is where it's a a real problem. Majorly, there's there's talk of the league stepping in and securing the rights and just figuring it out from there, so that way they don't have a risk of not having games on TV because that would be a disaster, wouldn't it? Could you imagine? Baseball comes around the corner, and oh, guess what? Now, <clears throat> if you live in a market that had uh, a Bally's network, guess what? You can't watch games. And that's like, I don't know, 20 different baseball teams, maybe 30, not 30. It's during the league. That could be like 20 different baseball teams that were on, on Bally's potentially not being on the network. Well, I think they'd that's find a, a way to have them covered. If nothing else, I bet they would take away blackout restrictions for that year. I would bet. Oh, you really, you really think my, okay. Yeah. See, because I, there's I, the I, reason the blackout restriction is there is because of those individual driving to sell to those it. TV contracts. So since yeah. there would be no TV contract, there'd be no reason for blackouts. So they would probably lift it for a year. And then those teams might get a bigger cut of 
at the MLB. That'd be the problem. Because here's for those who who want like a little more nitty gritty. Basically, Bally Sports were uh, really dumb and did not understand Sinclair what, or Sinclair were really dumb. They didn't know what cord cutting was. They weren't even thinking about it. They paid Fox Sports for all of these networks at the peak of value right before everything collapsed. So they paid way too much money for this network of teams. And then they charge cable networks a lot, which is DirecTV dropped Valley Sports. They're not willing to pay. They don't think it's worth Spectrum it. Spectrum did too. Yeah, yeah most Spectrum, places sorry, are dropping yeah. Yeah. Even YouTube TV did. Like all this, yeah. all the streaming services dropped it. Like I think the only one that has it, it's like Fubo TV right now. Yeah. No, so everyone kind of dropped it because it was just they were charging outrageous rates and it wasn't worth it for those networks. And, uh, you know, Sinclair got a bailout with partnering with a, a I can't remember what gambling organization it was, but they partnered with someone that was also part of their app and their advertising. And that bet them out for a year. They owe $2 billion to MLB for this year. That's how much they owe combined to teams is $2 billion. They're already nearly $9 billion in debt. Uh, I don't see a way for them to be saved. They don't have enough positive assets to balance this out. So it's going to be interesting. Cleveland's TV contract, for those who are curious, um, does get them $47 million, which is, by the way, $1 million less than the Rays, it's Reds, and the Athletics. It's not great. It's eighth worst in baseball. But here's what's funny. Teams blown, the Twins get less. The Brewers, the Rockies, uh, the Padres. The, I mean, this is as of 2020, and that was the last official stuff I could find. The worst contracts, though, the Brewers are somehow at $28 million. The Marlins were at 20 The Marlins signed a 15-year, $270 million deal. The other side of things, the Dodgers get $239 million. So when you talk about, like, why teams can spend more than others, right there. I mean, even the and, White Sox. Like, the, the White Sox, at the time this happened, were getting more than the Yankees. And that is the biggest thing I think you can point to. People say there's not... There's only small, there's no small markets. There's only small owners to, to borrow a phrase in the acting thing. Um, and then it's part that's of that's true, but also, well, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. You just taught, you just, you spelled it out right there with the TV contracts. There is no chance Cleveland, Tampa Bay, the Brewers would ever come close to the Dodgers in terms of how much they would get from TV rights. And you just, you just showed right there in the numbers. That's, that is how you differentiate the markets easily. And that's how you can tell who is in the, in the tier with who. Um, yeah, but Cleveland signed their deal. I want, I think their deal was signed back when they sold SDO back to Fox, which is also uh, junk because just interrupt you real quick, which everyone loves because they also got a lump sum that never gets put into that total. They got like a 200, no, it was like three or 400 million lump sum that. So whenever the Dolans cry poor, they, they made a TV network for a year to then pocket hundreds of millions of dollars. Like that is not part of what goes to the team. They on made top a of the profit. Twenty-seven million. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they made a profit on top of the the money they get. So, uh, yeah. So just to they probably they probably should mention too if you haven't been following the story for a couple of years now, because because obviously Disney bought Fox. That was mm-hmm. the big. This is what started this all. So Disney, which owns ABC, which owns ESPN, bought Fox, and then they they I think the FCC ruled that they could not have ESPN I, and the regional sports networks. So they had to sell. They, I think they also, cho- I think they chose to divest. They just didn't, the ESPN well, they, was already no, hemorrhaging money. Wasn't there? I, a think, degree I, think, like, I think the FCC forced them to sell because they said it was going to be a monopoly, which why one, the one time they want to cry monopoly out there. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Um, I yeah, that what was what's, mean what's, with shortages of uh, amoxicillin and or baby formula. Yikes. Um, 
Yeah, so now they're they're forced to sell, and now they're in bankruptcy. I can't believe how much money this company was allowed to take on. Like it was said when they bought this company that they were taking on a lot of debt to do it. I'm like, how are they allowed to take on so much debt? And then now the article says I'm I'm reading on Cord Cutter News, which is citing numbers from Bloomberg. I know this is all super exciting stuff to our listeners. They're like, really, this isn't this isn't what we came here for. But um, it, I mean, it's it's a huge deal. Gonna, it is. It is because yeah. it potentially affects whether or not you're going to be able to watch the guardians on TV this year or where or you're going to be able like, to do it. If they're going to lose like, you know, revenue, stream. 30%, 40% of their revenue stream. Right. And like we said, T- TV money is where the bulk of their money comes in right now. It's not ticket sales. Um, they're going to have to hope to make some of that up. I think either way, they're going to come at a loss. So yes, Cleveland's no TV what. deal was set to end in 2027. That was how long it ran through. I don't know if this gives them a chance to go out and rebid, but like locally, I'm trying to think of what, what cable network is going to buy it? Like Spectrum's not buying this. I don't know where they're. Yeah, the, they're no, one, no one's buying this because this is no. a money. It's a money loser. It's yes. no one's going to buy it. They're going to have to. The sports going to have to step in, purchase the the, the the media rights. Like you said, either do something I don't think they'll ever do and lift the blackouts. Which that'd be. I would pay money on top of what I I, I buy MLB, MLB TV every year because I like watching out of market games when I get a chance. Um, and it also gives me uh, a discount on MILB TV, which I use a lot. I would pay money on top of what I pay for a normal MLB TV package to make sure I'm not blacked out of local teams. Like I would pay money on top of that. Like you can say, okay, it's $108 a year for MLB TV. You got to pay $220 a year to get your local team. I, I mean, if I, if I had the money, I would do it. I know not everyone's going to, say they can put that yeah. in their budget but i'm saying i i would because i can and it's of value to me but i just think that i if, if you think that mlb network is going to lift the blackout restrictions if this happens without doing something that's going to piss off yeah, the it, consumers it, it would definitely wrong. be like They're, you could you could you're going to be able to buy the local package is what it's going to be right that's what I think is going to happen. They're not. They're not going to do anything out of the goodness of their heart to consumers because that's not how Major League Baseball ever operates. Let's be honest. And I think you know the one thing I want to stress is I know they have a bad deal. I 100 percent agree. Like this is a bad deal that the Guardian signed, but at the same time, the bottom has dropped out of TV contracts all over in in yep. multiple sports. It's you know there's worries I know in the NBA about kind of like that this stuff isn't going to keep going up up. And I think the thing we've seen is that cord cutters are going to cut no matter what that this isn't enough to keep uh cord cutters on and that's part of the reason that the uh, cable companies are letting them go so i you know they'll probably get more maybe able to get more this could be something where it's a benefit but there aren't a lot of people out there who can put together the money to or care enough to be able to do something to chase the the major like i think you know this is a chance where something like Peacock or Amazon might jump in and it's another tier you got to buy, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like what specifically I would pay attention to Apple TV because they're doing this with the MLS. So they already have a system in place that they are doing and they already have a deal where they are on. So I think I would watch for Apple TV uh, as a place. I would end up. I would stress though. MLS is not, I mean, I know, I know major league baseball has fallen well, no, I, I'm not NFL saying they're comparable, the but I'm just saying they have, um, they have at least an infrastructure to do this. Yeah. They before we move on, it. before we move on, I'd love to hear anybody, whether you want to hit us on Twitter or on YouTube with comments. Um, 
where how you watch the Guardian. So how do you do you, are, you have cable? Do you have a streaming service? If, if any of the streaming services even have valleys uh, right now, uh, I don't know which ones do. Or if you ML, MLTV, MLB TV, if you're out of network, or maybe you just listen on the radio only. I know some people who just listen on the radio only now. Yep. Let us know. Yeah. We are going to jump in here and we'll come back and we got some, we're going to get into the outfield prospects. The one group we have not handled yet. The group that is very deep and very divisive on today's lockdown guardians, but the NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports bar betting partner for lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free guaranteed bets. You place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Uh, we've talked. We like the Bengals this weekend. All that on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 free in bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com backslash LockedOn. So MLB released their uh, top 10 outfielders. And I think a lot of people expected a Cleveland player to be on it. And there was not. Uh, it's not it's a good it's a good list. Uh, you know, Corbin Carroll, I'm surprised. <laughs> I thought he maybe wouldn't qualify. Uh, him and Jordan Walker, one could make a case, are the two best prospects in baseball. I wouldn't fight you on it. Jackson Churio at three. It's like one could make a case for those three all in the top five prospects if you really wanted mm-hmm. to. Might be aggressive, but you could. Uh, Drew Jones at four is a little high for me, uh, just because Same. the injury, uh, you know, and with him, you know, he, he hasn't really played. Like, I really like him, but to put him that high, I feel like he is a, you would think he's like a generational talent based off of what's that recency for. bias again. Yeah. Um, and, and for like him and Elijah Gray aren't that far separated in my mind, <laughs> or Elijah Green, I should say, and, and Green isn't even present. James Woods, uh, I mean, He's a great story. Hard to argue. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he had argue. a heck of a year, um, but it was all in 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 a ball. So if you want to place an yeah. argument, I mean, it's a little aggressive for me, just because you know he's a uh, he's walking a lot more, which is good. But I mean, he was all tools and just like one of the worst swings around when he was drafted. Great developmental story. He could end up being the best part of that trade for Soto. Zach Veen. I love Zach Veen. I like him. I feel like he has been production wise in my mind, not quite what I expected. Um, I think there's a few areas where I thought he'd do a little bit more. Pico Armstrong has had some ups and downs. I feel like he got placed here again because of, uh, you know, the, his defense, they gave an 80 grade to, and like, he's been famous for forever, but I don't know if I'd put him seven. The fact they put a 70 hit tool on Freilich. Uh, I love Sal Freilich. I was a little surprised to see him that high, but I have no problem with it. Robert Hassel is, no, it's not. Bean's been good. Hassel's the one who's not quite lived up to the hype from that draft class. And Colton Kowser has been fantastic. Um, it's, it's I saw Pete Crow Armstrong last year in the when the captains played uh, South Bend in the playoffs, and uh, I was because I was really interested to see to see Petey Halpin and Pete Armstrong kind of go, you know, quote unquote head to head, even though not really facing each other. But uh, Pete Armstrong had a good series. That was he was fun to watch. I mean, it's uh, th- this is probably one of the lists. that's actually one of their better ones, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. Um, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's a solid list. Would I take every single guy on this list over George Valera? Would you? 
Every guy on this list right now? Yes. Yes, I would. I agreed. I would as well. Like I, I that's why I, I would I, I would say that every one of these players, if they were in the Guardian system, would be their top position player prospect. Not pitching, but position player. I might I no. might still put it. I mean, I would even say if they had Corbin Carroll, he'd be their top prospect overall of above yeah. Espino. I think any of those top three would be their top prospect overall. I could see like Drew Jones not being over Espino. You know, I, I could honestly pe- see I, I could see James Armstrong being up there. I wouldn't know. Like for me, it's like maybe Zach Bean is the last guy where I'm like could potentially be like their number one prospect. Yeah. But Sal Frelick would be their top position player prospect. Hassel. See, I, I would still Kowser. go Naylor over Frelick. I, see, I would go Naylor over that second half of that list. I don't know. I really like Frelick. But yeah, so not 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 Valera. So because, we agree. Yeah. Not on this no, list. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, for me, it's just like positional value is going to elevate. Like, for, I, I like Frelick, but like if Frelick works out, he's probably Steve Kwan. And if Naylor works out as a catcher with what he projects, like that's more valuable. Yeah, so, I think Frelick you know. might have a little more power than Quan, but maybe not by much. Maybe it's splitting hairs at that point. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, I mean, at the same time, I still think he's a fantastic prospect. And uh, yeah. I mean, how could the Brewers have two guys on this list? And Joey Weimer is a really interesting player. As oh, well, so. I love Joey Weimer. Uh, I, I have, I have made still, no bones about my, how we much still I haven't done Brewers. our Brewers episode yet. We haven't done. No. Just a, <laughs> yeah, just, I'm uh, going to, I'm. I feel so bad. I don't want to. I, I don't want to root against the Brewers because I actually really enjoy their their team. And we also have a. Uh, well, I, I we both know somebody who works in their system who mm-hmm. I like quite a bit, and um, I would hate to to root against them. But there are players in the, on that team that I think would be great for Cleveland. So we will do that eventually. Maybe that'll be a July episode. But yeah, no, it's like I said, it's it's a good team. It's a fun team, but it's, um, you know, a they have the. After years of being really bad at development, they are just loaded to the hilt with these outfield prospects. And, you know, we've talked about this list here. We went kind of long in segment one. So I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to have us actually break for segment two. And then we're going to come back uh, and discuss who the top outfielders are in Cleveland system and what's up with Valera. Why is Valera seemingly all over the place dropping on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians? Okay, so I kind of teed up various things honestly at the uh throughout this episode when it comes to uh this outfield group but having talked with you and you and i spent we should have almost just recorded it as like a bonus episode you and i spent what an hour an hour and a half discussing our top prospect list which uh you know we'll get into soon moving guys around uh and at the end of the day i still have valera as my top outfielder but it's it's a tenuous hold but he is not yours who do you have number one in this system uh, I really like Will Brennan. I think that there is a higher probability that Will Brennan, uh, nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but because that's not the, the third or not, the third and fourth guy on the list, maybe could match Valera's upside and even surpass it. But uh, Valera's obviously got more upside than Will Brennan, but I just feel like Brennan's going to be a safer bet. And I, I still like the, the ability to make contact and I like everything except for the power. Like Valera's obviously got 30 home run power. Will Brennan does not have that, but I think Will Brennan could hit for a decent average. And even if he ends up being a platoon guy, he might, there's a chance that he could only be a platoon guy and he might not hit, he might hit 15 home runs at his peak. Like I could see Will Brennan hitting 30, 20 to 30, 25 to 30 doubles 
15 homers, stealing 20 bases, you know, gets on base. And I, I really like Brennan's defense. I like his speed, his arm better than Valera. Uh, I, I don't think Valera would be – I think Valera can play center. Like, I think he'd be, I don't know, fine. I don't I wouldn't say, like, it'd be great. I think Brennan is a better – is a more likely a center fielder than Valera. So everything but power, I li- I have better for, for Brennan at this point, honestly. So that's why he's – my number one outfield prospect. I, and maybe that's more he's above him now because of where Valera has fallen versus where Brennan has surpassed him. Maybe they're more on an even level now. Yeah. If, you know, describing Brennan, can I throw a comp at you? Uh, sure. I've got a couple. Uh, Pre breakout Michael Brantley. Yes. That's definitely one of them. I had a couple. I had, uh, I had Andrew Benintendi as one of them. Um, I can see that. Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one. I mean, there there is some Steve Kwan there. I think I think the two the biggest detriment for Brennan offensively is he's got some aggressiveness. Like I I I wouldn't compare his aggressiveness to Oscar Gonzalez, but where Steve Kwan is sometimes borderline passive. Brennan is a little too aggressive and he'll chase like a high fastball or he'll chase a curveball in the dirt, but anything in the zone, he's going to handle with ease and he can hit it to all fields. Like, you know, if you throw a strike in the zone, he's probably going to do something with it. Um, he, he still has enough plate discipline. It's just, you know, he does have a little more aggressiveness in his game and he doesn't really have a, a ton of power right now. Like I said, it's mostly doubles power. I would say 15 home runs. That's why I said Ben and I think, and he's got good speed. So maybe, maybe not. Okay. I shouldn't say, Let's go. Let's go with um, Boston Above Benintendi. Okay. Yeah, not 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 Kansas City Benintendi, where it was just an empty three hundred. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's you know it, it's going to be interesting to see what opportunities he gets. Uh, I thought it was I saw someone tweeting today that apparently Chris Vileko was on uh, one of our sister shows um, in the Lockdown Network and mentioned like Freeman and Brennan as his breakout candidates. So interesting that they got a coach to admit something like that. That's uh... I didn't, you know, someone tweeted at someone else that so I didn't I don't have the specifics, but I saw someone mention that. Mm. So if I if, if I have bad information, I will apologize right now. But, um, you know, I so here's the thing before we get into like the stats of why George Valera is kind of um, down, I, I have to point out some important things. Uh, one, you know, 2020 was lost due to COVID, but two George Valera's had problems with health. So this is actually the first time George Valera had ever played in 90 games in a season. He had never hit that threshold before. And all of his data was essentially in the lower levels. He played 20 games last year in double in a. So this past year, he finally broke a hundred games and he also, um, played in the upper uh, majors. So he had two uh, upper majors, upper minors. And so he had two big uh, shifts occurring. And listen, a lot of people talk about age relative to level. And I've been one of those people. But what I think we have to mention here and what I have to kind of vent about in general is age relative to level is not what it was even two years ago. Um, With the elimination of the kind of short season ball, listen, Logan Allen getting to double A in year one and triple A in year two, uh, Cleveland would slow play. Like, I mean, he was in, in the old system, his second year in the minors, he would have gotten the double A. 
it wouldn't have even been a, a year one thing uh, like they did. Everyone's moving so much quicker. So the, the age relative to level gets thrown off. The ages are still high because there are teams who like to throw a lot of veteran guys or quad A types, and they're just not very talented. Like if they were good enough to be replacement level, they'd be in the big leagues. They're emergency players. So the overall level of ages or at level of ages, the age at each level um, stays about the same, but the overall talent is moving quicker than ever. So it doesn't mean as much. It just doesn't. And we also have hard data facts that show that teams, listen, the Tampa Bay Rays probably uh, got the Guardians by having Jake Bowers be an above average bat at uh, at a young age at multiple levels. Like teams were very cognizant that teams like the Guardians were going very age heavy. And, uh, you know, we're trying to kind of inflate value by moving quickly players through the minors. And we've seen even Cleveland switch. They drafted a pair of 19 year old high school kids a year ago. That would have never happened. They took draft eligible. So they went against age models. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jacob Zibin is an age model guy. Uh, some of the other guys they were, but they also, yeah, but they also for the first time ever went well against age models. So it's like even the guardians, you know, the original age Kings, uh we're like okay this is we're gonna take guys who don't go with that model like it's it's one of those things it's a data point for a time i would make a statement where it was one of the most important data points now i think it's it's just another data point i think it is one of those things that is definitely uh gets overblown so if anyone's going to come at us and be like he was 21 and double and triple a i'm like that's great so we're most elite talents like that is if you're an elite player, an elite minor league talent, you're about that age at that level. That is the average age at that level for elite talent anymore. That's how this thing has shifted so much. So he's a little bit younger, maybe, but I mean, that's, that's kind of in line with what we're seeing uh, overall. And his, well, he, you, you'll explain it better to me. Uh, you want to talk about the Z swing and the contact rate that are scaring people off? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I want to say too. I think you're 100 right on on the age relative to level two. Baseball Reference is really is really good tool for this, where they will, <clears throat> if you search for minor league uh, data for a player in the minor leagues, it'll show you how young, how much younger he is than the average level. So you'll go in there and you'll see, okay, well, Will Brennan was uh, a year, or, or George Valera was two years younger than the average age of the player at AAA, and that's fine, like you said, that's 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 fine, but the elite players, the best of the best prospects who are at that level are that young. So triple yeah. a is, Remember, is a holding, holding ground for a lot of Sandy Leone spent a lot of the year in triple a and counts into that age right. model. I mean, I remember double a when it, when, when Akron had Davis Stoneburner and Kyle Davies and uh, the average age of that one Akron arrows team was like 30. So and uh, by the way, definitely like the, changed. That was 10 the years AAA ago. age used to be even like in the last five years was 27 or 26. Now the it's fact like it's 25. Down, yeah, yeah, it's it also shows there's a shift. Yeah, I will say more guys got held back because of COVID. So that changed things as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, the guy, the guys who are moving through, you know, and this is what Cleveland always says. They don't promote guys based on number of at bats or I mean, they will. There is there is a threshold there where they will look at a certain amount of innings pitching at bats, but they always say the player dictates where he should be playing at and the level he should be playing. I mean, they even moved John Kenzie Noel up last year to double to triple or to double a before I thought he was ready. And he, you know, he struggled. And by the way, we're not including John Kenzie Noel in our outfield no. prospect group, just so everybody's aware. But yeah, the, the thing with Valera, the biggest issue everybody has is um, 
yeah, he he's got a he's got good patience at the plate. He's just got some swing and miss issues, and he struggles to make contact in the zone uh, in certain areas of the zone, mostly you know the upper third of the strike zone and and kind of down in uh, just down in general. I think his swing is I don't want to say his swing is groove, but it's definitely There's some geared towards yeah, there it's geared towards middle and and uh, low. You know, most left-handers like the ball low and in, and he does too. Um, and he could go the other way with some stuff too. I think his biggest issue is the top third of the zone. And I think a little bit, a little bit below it, but um, the biggest, well, I'll let you say, cause you're the one who brought it up yesterday. What, um, what John Sickles said, why do prospects fail? Oh, so like, I love John Sickles. I know he doesn't do prospects anymore, but uh, you know, he's one of the the guys who set this God up for me. And I, yeah. And I, uh, I bought his book years ago. It was a PDF and where he went through like every single ranking and talked about why players fail. And I always, I mentioned this many times and with pitchers, it's inability to find the zone or injuries with hitters, it's injuries or contact. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Valera is all of a sudden, people contact. Are, yeah. And, and like when you look at him and people want to talk about, well, I think people are overreacting to a small, to, you know, this year he was young for the level. One also has to point out that it is not a coincidence that when he moves up to higher levels where guys are able to hit that top of the zone, to hit the bottom of the zone, a ball pitching is terrible. Like guys can't hit the areas that were weak where he was weak at. So he's actually facing pitching that for the first time can exploit the areas he struggles with. And it wasn't good. And that is, it's a bit of a red flag. Like his Z contact rate and the low overall contact rate are in areas with a lot of like failed prospects. Like mm-hmm. it is one year he could totally, you know, learn and grow as a hitter and they'll work with him. But like he is in a area that is littered with where big names go to die. That's and a concern. It is. And I, I still think he could be a good major league player. I think we're talking about a guy who still, even with those concerns, could be a 20 to 25 home run yeah. guy. I mean, uh, there's Adolphus a chance he Garcia could be... in Texas is like a, a guy very similar to him profile wise. Yeah, and and there's a chance he might be a platoon guy too. Like there's that there's yeah. always that concern, and he's also stopped running. Like he, I, I'm not really sure what that led to last year. Things could have been weird, but we saw a lot of guys run more last year because of the new rules. Uh, he stopped running last year too, and he still takes walks. Like there, he, he definitely has a good eye at the plate. Uh, he doesn't chase a ton. He is a, maybe a, a little passive at times, but um, you know he'll take his walks and. The problem is he just, you know, misses in the strike zone some. So that's why he's fallen back. And that's why some people think he might be a platoon outfielder versus a a star like everybody thought he was going to be. It just hasn't quite panned out. So that's why I said I think it's more where we know Will, where we know George Valera is right now versus, you know, Will Brennan kind of taking off. Like Will Brennan has taken off. And I was very close to giving him a higher grade prospect wise than I did. But I held back a little bit just because I, I was concerned about the platoon and the lack of power and a little bit of uh, aggressiveness. But yeah, I think it's just that that's kind of where. And I also am weary too. I know I'm, I'm going long winded here, but you do get prospect fatigue. We talked about it yesterday with Rokio. Valera has been talked about since he signed in 2016. Like he was a big prospect. People expected, like people were saying he was going to be like Juan Soto early on. Yeah. I mean, so, he, he was, he was given up. Uh, you know, just to interrupt you again, uh, like it drove me insane where people were like, he's got a plus hit tool. Like that was one of the things like his hit tool was, was actually one of the big bragging points. I'm like, 
no data point, no amount of what he has ever shown us shows this. You just like his swing. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. It's not about ability. It's you think it's a pretty swing. And I, I hate that approach to it. But if you look at any early report on him, it's it's going to mention a plus hit tool. And mm-hmm. guess what? It, it wasn't true. Like, we had, don't know how to. Best, how to yeah. yeah, we don't know how to correctly identify hit tools in young players. We, we don't like that's why it's it's hard. It's very hard to do. Um, and Cleveland signs those guys by the bucket load with good, good hit tools, knowing, you know, you'll get some, some Rokios and knowing you also get some Brachos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and I, I think that's, you know, people putting the Soto and, and whatever on Valera early on. And just, you know, this is the seventh year we're taught, like the sixth year we're talking about. And he got signed 2016, right? Or was it 2017? Um, gosh, I just I thought it was 16. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, and again, like I actually still have him. I have him on my personal list eighth. No, I have him ninth and Brennan 10th. So he's still my number one outfielder. Uh, I have but, those reversed. Yeah. Yeah. But he's because there's higher ceiling. But I mean, you're basically hoping that he turns into Carlos Santana in outfield Santana. And that's fine. That's fine. Which is great. I mean, I Carlos Santana is probably my favorite guardian in the last 10 years. That's an. A, really but that doesn't match some of the hype i hear so i just always want to like uh I, I just get very nervous when when sometimes people start throwing around some silly comps or talking about stuff so i just i, I think your best outcome for him it, it, and when people got you know mad about the sean murphy trade it's like i was like at you know you're hoping george valera can hit like Contreras hit like they if they wanted an outfielder it was kind of hard for cleveland to match that high level um type of player i I think there's uh like i said i think what we're seeing around baseball is that there is prospect fatigue on valera in general but i think there's also legitimate concerns right that's my point there's there's concerns but yeah he was seven maybe maybe part of what happened like i said was people thought early on plus hit tool the juan soto thing like people thought about early on turns and this might have been who he's been all along and we're saying oh he's really fallen no, he just ended up who he ended up going to, we yeah. thought he or people who he was meant, who he is as a player and versus um, what people thought he was going to be early on. Like that's, that's the unfortunate problem is people thought he was going to be a lot better. And, and now it makes him look like he's not as good, as good a player people thought he was going to be. And um, you know, early hype is, it was an issue. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things again, where, we haven't had as many reps as we'd like to see because of health and COVID, but um, we have seen like kind of almost like a and high a data is worthless. So it's like, and a lot of the importance in that data is like the first time through, like, because guy, the exceptional talents dominate and they move through mm-hmm. and he's been good, but he's definitely struggled on promotion, which isn't also what you want to see. So it's, uh, like I said, he's still my number one outfielder. Why is he my number one outfielder? Because I think he's got plus power. I think we'll probably hit enough to get there. He's a borderline passive at points, which can be a concern. That's also part of um, some of the, well, you know, the contact stuff. I'd like to see him maybe be a little more aggressive, but I think there's Brendan. I think you're kind of hoping that he's going to be, you know, if at peak, uh, you know, like a 50, 55 grade player, it's like Valera has mm-hmm. a chance to be plus. And I don't think Brennan has that. But right. having said that, I think we'll jump to the after show and talk about two guys who, I you know, ceilings are higher than either of these players, in my opinion. 
I think you and I agree on who's three and four. It'll be it'll probably even agree on five, but it's, it's a, for a team that struggled to produce outfielders, it's maybe the best five deep outfield group I can ever recall covering this team. And uh, we'll get into that uh, in the after show. So make sure to join us. And uh, for all of you who listened this week, uh, thank you. We appreciate every one of you joining in and being part of the Lockdown Guardians team. Uh, you know, make sure to rate and review, download daily. That all helps. Uh, subscribe on the YouTubes. And, uh, you know, we have we have a lot of things we're discussing, what we're going to get into. Uh, we'll re- reveal these prospect lists of ours very soon. I know everyone else is doing theirs, so we'll, we'll get ours out there. Um, and, you know, as always, uh, leave thoughts. Uh, other comment to leave is thoughts about what you'd like to see covered on the show, uh, things you'd like to be talked, talk, things you'd like to see talked about on the show. So make sure to include those and go, go, Guardians, go. <laughs>